Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up early today with Exantra. He is the chairman of Critical Elements Lithium, uh, listed on TSXV, uh, based in Quebec. Uh, we talked through um, their technical process to how they've got to where they are today, just raised some uh, money, and uh, they're now looking for a strategic partner. So we go through all of that, plus a little bit of history as to how they got to where they are today. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that, you should go and find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis you might find interesting. There's also commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies, commodities, and uh, macro themes. Uh, definitely fascinating uh, stuff there. We've got training courses to help you with the diligence process. We summarize a lot of the interviews that we've done just to save you some time. And of course, more importantly, there's a thriving community of shareholders uh, and investors on there sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly environment, uh, free from trolling and abuse, which if that sounds attractive uh, to you, you should go and check out at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm well. How are you, Matthew? I'm magnificent, and you you look like you've made an effort today, not like the rest of that rabble. I have. I have. You have a certain sartorial standard that I realized I needed to meet. Well, this is a good start. This is a very good start. So, uh, As the first appearance, it has to go like that. So. <laughs> so where in the world are you? I'm in a small town called Napanee on the shores of Lake Ontario, about three hours east of Toronto. Beautiful. Is that, is that, is that the, the site, or is that you no. looking out your window? No. That's northern Quebec um, in the in the vicinity of our project, the Rose Project. Very nice, very nice. Well, like, I appreciate you coming on, Eric. I really am, because this is a story we've been wanting to um, hear for a while. We've not met or spoken before, and it's not a story I've, I've heard before. We've, we've had a look at. Um, so I do appreciate your time today to join us on what we're calling Lithium Week. Lithium Week. We've heard all sorts of stories. Hard Rock, Brines, DLE, DLE hybrids, clays. It's... We've, we've heard we're, we're starting to learn the landscape, and I think that's um, I think it's going to be good for everyone tuning into this. It is a very complex landscape, and everybody talks their book. Everybody talks about. Well, I hope you're going to talk your book today. We're going to we're going to hear a little. I'll, I'll do my best. Good man. Um, so look, I always get people to start off with a one minute overview of what it is that you've got, and then I kind of pick it up with some questions. So if you don't mind. Sure, not at all. So critical elements lithium is listed on the TSX venture ticker CRE. And uh, recently we were recognized as one of the 2021 US OTCQX best 50. And our ticker in the States is CRECF. And it's our vision to become a large responsible supplier of lithium, lithium to that flourishing uh, energy storage system and electric vehicle industry. So when I say large, I mean large, in the sense that we have the high purity rose lithium project in northern Quebec, which we want to advance as our first project. But we also have 700 square kilometers of highly uh, prospective ground in that area that already has demonstrable lithium mineralization. So in 2017, we completed a nice, robust uh, feasibility study for the Rose Project, specifically phase one, which is a concentrator and mine. Um, and uh, that the CapEx and operating numbers that came out of that were confirmed in 2019 by Primero Group, the, the famous, uh, highly regarded group that built most of the mines and, and uh, concentrators in Quebec, in 
in Australia, um, and uh, they confirmed our numbers. So we have high confidence there. Phase two will be a conversion plant, uh, looking at converting the spodumene concentrate from rose into lithium hydroxide. Um, so we're, we're in a good place. Quebec is extremely important from a strategic perspective uh, with great access to both obviously the, the U.S. market but also the EU market. Uh, both, uh, as you know, I'm sure have declared lithium a, a critical material uh, for their plans going forward and so we're well positioned there. And the other advantage of course in Quebec is that magnificent grid uh, that we are literally underneath the power line where 93% of the power in Quebec is generated via hydroelectricity. So we like where we sit. We, we have a good relationship that's formalized with the partners, uh, with, the, with the Cree and uh, we're in a good position. Fantastic. That's a great summary. Um, thanks for the interview. We'll uh, speak to you again soon. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, that was, it's been fun. Yeah. You know, I, I was really worried about this. It's gone so smoothly. Ciao. Bye. Um, that's, a, that's a great summary. I, I should expect that from you. you. You are a former analyst. So a beautiful summary. But like, the, the trouble with the lithium market is there's a few players. And as I suspect, as the price continues to rise, there'll be a few more new players. And it gets very confusing. The white noise is deafening. Okay, so I want to break that down if I may. Okay, so let's look at some of the constituent parts which kind of make, make up the company and then we'll kind of get a bit technical later. So talk to me about the team. So why has this team got the right to say that they're more capable than others? That's it's exactly one of the reasons why I joined the company. Um, the In the CEO and Jean-Sébastien Lavalier, you have a multi-generational Quebecer on the technical side, he's a geologist. He has uh, parents and grandparents that were engineers and metallurgists, knows exactly how to operate from a mining perspective in Quebec and has extremely strong relationships with the First Nations in the area. And as you know, in Canada, if you do not have the First Nations on side, it's an effective veto on your project. So you better have that right from the beginning. In our case, uh, that for that relationship has been formalized um, in 2019 with the with the First Nations, and we're all set to go. In terms of the CEO, uh, pardon me, the president, you've got uh, Dr. Stefan Haber, and Stefan is a chemist. Um, he was the former president and CEO of Rockwood Lithium, which was sold for $6.2 to Albemarle to create their lithium division. So you've got extremely solid uh, capacity in management. Stefan has access to his former team. In fact, his uh, Rockwood CFO, Marcus Brune, is on our board, uh, is readily available to move forward. So we have that capacity, a key point. Okay. It's always interesting to me when companies, you know, lithium's been tough for the past three years or so. You know, and then there's a short moment in the sun when the spotlight was shining on on, on lithium. But even before that, it, it, it's been a tough ride, okay? And all of a sudden, in the past three months, lithium market, is the, the price prices started to pop across the board um, and companies are benefiting. The equities are benefiting from that. Yeah. But let's remember, last year, 200 million market cap now. Right, but you yes. spent most of last year at, 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 at about twenty five percent of that. So the the change, the move has been swift, is significant, and you're going to you're going to be able to have conversations now that I suspect you wouldn't have been able to, you know, a, a year ago. But during that time, I'm interested in what the management team 
well, did. You know, so where, where do they start with their business plan? You've delivered the feasibility study. You've done a lot of the studies. You, the First Nations Crown is not insignificant. We've spoken to companies that perhaps have struggled a little bit there as, as a result of not taking care of business. So can you talk me through some of those points in the past couple of years that, that you think are important that have set you up for where you are today? Sure. I think one of the knocks that have been uh, put out there about critical elements and, and what we've done is that the timeline, when you look at it, the Rose deposit was discovered in 2009. Uh, at that time, lithium was hot and we had Quebec lithium was hot. And uh, then things weren't so hot anymore. And uh, we went through a hiatus there and things picked up again and, and then went back to sleep again. But it's really, as you say, over the last year or so that, that people have have been anticipating the rise, the inflection point in lithium pricing. And then let's underline that is that there are many different lithium uh, products and they all have different pricing. They all have different supply and demand. It's not like copper or gold where an ounce is an ounce or a pound is a pound. These all have very unique markets. Where critical elements is concerned as you say, we've gone through the technical studies, at least for phase one, and we have the IPA with our partners and, uh, and that's all set to go. But really, strategically, what does one do? When you're sitting there at a market cap of 30 million, don't have as many options as you do when you're sitting there with a market cap of 200 million, especially relative to a roughly 400 million uh, uh, raise required for phase one when you include working capital. We have more options now. And with those options, we have the capacity in management to make things happen. So when you look at what's going on out there in the marketplace, you see OEMs getting involved with companies, uh, Tesla, Piedmont. You see battery manufacturers like CATL getting involved with Neolithium. You have uh, a oil and gas company, renewable energy divisions getting involved, as we see with Galp of Portugal and Savannah in Spain, or go back even further, Bank Jack Petroleum with Lithium Americas. There's an optionality that's been preserved here intentionally. We could have signed all kinds of offtake agreements with various Chinese partners a few years ago, and that's not what we want. Strategically, as a partner, we want to have someone with skin in the game, either in the project itself or the company. Now, with a higher market cap and a more robust equity market, we have more options. And that's that's a key point. You got you have to be patient. You have to do these things right. I hold up the example, for example, of Namaska and Sigma. Namaska was going to become a producer come hell or high water and borrowed money at I think it was eleven and a half percent. Compare that to Sigma, that's been patient and absolutely brilliant at positioning on an ESG perspective, very high score, and consequently they got five percent debt through Societe Generale, that's the kind of approach we want to take. We want to be recognized for our, our high ESG score and borrow money on that basis. And that gives us more options. Ultimately, ultimately the most important point is maximizing shareholder value. And we will take whichever route creates the most shareholder value. Okay, well, we're gonna keep coming back to that thing, okay? Shareholder, because people say it casually. Like yeah, every day is. of the week, right? People say, it casually. You're absolutely I want to right. talk about how you're doing that. So 
and we'll talk about money in a second, but I think one of the things that I, I get excited about when companies talk about it and are able to show it and deliver it properly is the ESG component, um, yes. is the zero carbon component. So um, Quebec, great province, um, very supportive province, I think generally for, for mining. Um, can you talk to me about the, the ESG component? I know you mentioned the First Nations there briefly, but I'm, I'm maybe more in the sense of the zero carbon element. How is the province yeah. helping you? You know, does where you're where you're based in the north, in the cold north, um, does that affect your ability um, to deliver uh, you know zero carbon all year round? I mean, how, how do you how do you come at it? Well, well, you definitely have to plan. That's for sure. Literally, literally, the power line directly runs over top of the rose deposit, and so it's going to cost about three million, if I remember correctly, to move the power line a little bit. So you have access to electricity on a grid that I think, as I said, is 93% hydroelectricity. So right away, there's a competitive advantage there. And that's not just from an ESG perspective, but power is approximately 4.5 cents Canadian a kilowatt hour. And that compares rather nicely to somebody producing a diesel generated at 20 to 30 cents, uh, if not more. So there's a, there's a competitive advantage there. In the feasibility study completed in 2017 already, before people were talking about ESG, we were looking at using an electric shovel in the open pit. So with detailed engineering, one can start looking at other aspects on the mine side and on the concentrator side. As to phase two, conversion to lithium hydroxide, that is, uh, we are going to deliver technical studies this year and in that will be trade-off studies to look at things like, for example, where the plant will be sited. If you go down towards the St. Lawrence to an existing industrial site, your timelines are shorter, your risks are lower, you have access to, to natural gas, um, obviously also the electric grid, and then that is to be looked at. And that's one of the things we can look at for sure is looking at uh, the kiln that heats the material converting it uh, from alpha to beta spodumene, uh, you can use an electric kiln for that. And that's to be looked at, to be studied. Okay. So there are a lot of things that one can do taking advantage of, of Quebec's natural advantages. And how big a part of the conversation was that when raising the 15 million bucks that you've, which you've just done in, uh, well, earlier this month, wasn't it? It's becoming more important. So far, Critical Elements has been um, benefited from a very, very loyal, long-term, high net worth and retail base in Quebec. Those people have stuck with the company over the last few years, and it's, it's spectacularly wonderful to have such a wonderful base. Right. But, but it, that but, is now transition. Right. That's what I mean. Right? When you come to institutional kind of conversations, right. it's, it's a big part of the, the dialogue. And I, I know there's many, many other components to it, but I'm just interested in specific differentiating elements that companies can actually deliver on. So, yeah. you know, when you're going to, uh, you know, talk about construction uh, funding, d debt equity, or how have you put that together? Those are the sorts of conversations that seem to be paramount because of, one, I guess, because the nature of what you're talking about is it's, it's battery metals, right? You, the whole yes. supply chain has got to meet certain standards and will held accountable if you're going to get those contracts at the end. So. Does that affect your ability to get cheaper financing? Well, absolutely. As I mentioned about the debt, for example, 
is if you can access those green bonds, you're talking about 5% versus north of 10. So right away, there's an opportunity. You can expect that you mentioned the support in, in the province of Quebec. Well, there are funds um, that Quebec has made very clearly, uh, stated clearly that they have $1.9 billion to allocate, a portion of which has already been allocated to the, the, the new Namaska. And a, a large chunk of that remains unallocated. We hope to tap into that and we hope that we're worthy of that. Um, but you're right, the conversation is very much shifting in the institutional side. And it's it's been fascinating as an old mining guy to see how things have changed, how the conversation has changed. There's a long-term shift in mining towards ESG and that's great. But this new conversation, if if you talk to investors from Europe and investors from the United States, they're focused on these projects as a chemical or a technology story. And for them, valuation is not price to NAV as it is in the mining side, but rather price to cash flow or an EBITDA margin. And that's a completely different conversation. That's on one side on the valuation side. On the other side is your effectively your ESG score. Do you have your boxes ticked? We're not there yet, to be honest. We're on a journey and we are evaluating what we can do to get better and better and better. Right, okay, we, we should just close off that. So, so in regards to uh, permits, studies, et cetera, where are you? Because you're, you're quite far down the line, but you've got a few things need to get over the, uh, the finish line. Yes, indeed. Um, as, as you know, in Quebec, you're talking about two parallel systems. You've got the provincial permitting process and you've got the federal. Canadian level, national level uh, permitting process. These processes take a long time, a lot of patience. You're working with uh, the, 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 uh, the, the First Nations. And as I said earlier, you have to have those people on side and understandably and rightly so. It's their neighborhood, their backyard. And so all of this is coming to a head. We've gone through iterations where draft EIS are, are laid on the table, creating hundreds of questions. Those questions are answered, come back, and there's another 40 questions and so on and so forth. We've gone through that process. These final steps now involve public hearings. On the Quebec side, that process finished last week. There were public hearings that took place in the communities there, and those uh, public hearings result in final reports that go to the committee. The committee then makes its final recommendation to the minister for a certificate of authorization. In my belief, we're probably going to be done all of that by mid-year. That's purely speculation on my part, but I believe that we are now very, very close to being fully permitted. And as you can imagine, that is an important milestone for a lot of these strategic partners. Beautiful. And that's, that's a key point. Okay, I can park that. And I want to come back to the other bit you said, which I was coming on to, which is the, I, I think, really fascinating, certainly in terms of investors looking at the different types of lithium investments out there, okay, which is a little bit more technical. So we'll talk about phase one. You're, you're producing spodumene, and then you're going to, and you might need to do a bit of explanation around the vocabulary here for people. Okay, you're going to do technical grade, chemical grade, Battery grey. The, the, these are all coming down, coming down the line, and you need to there. And, but that also positions you in the mind of not only the funders who can understand, therefore, what your margin, what your potential margins could look like at various price points, but also for the market 
going, ah, I know where they're inserting themselves into the sales cycle, into which, which products are they bringing to market and therefore, you know, they can work out the competitive tensions there. Are there lots of people claiming to do the same thing? Are you unique? You know, will it affect uh, the, the supply side, I, the pricing? So talk us through why you guys have said you want to be, uh, you know, sort of in, um, you know, vertically integrated. Why, why is that the best positioning for you? Understood. Okay. Well, if you're producing spodumene concentrate, you have a certain profit margin. If you then vend that to someone else to convert, there's a huge chunk of profit margin there that evaporates, that goes into the pockets of the converters. And that, in, in, a, in a nutshell, is why one wants to be fully integrated, to, to capture all the margins that occur from A to Z. That's key. With regard to the different spodumene concentrates that are produced, we consider ours to be amongst the highest purity globally. And when I'm referring to purity, I'm talking about impurities like iron and mica. Both of those involve uh, the higher you have in terms of iron, in terms of mica, the more you need to spend, the more energy you need to spend in order to achieve a concentrate that is desirable in the marketplace. And so in our case, we're starting at a very low point with low iron content and low mica content, not just in the ore itself, but in the host rock around it. Because as you're processing, you're pulling some of these impurities into your, your concentrate, which is a real struggle. And to be honest, one of the problems that they've had with the, the, some of the operations in Australia. When you pull those impurities in, you then create uh, a less pure uh, concentrate you also create a less pure carbonate. You need to spend more money to upgrade that to hydroxide, which is a whole nother conversation as to what is more desirable going forward, carbonate versus hydroxide. I guess I, I understand why you want to capture more of the margin going down the, the, the food chain, as it were, but that comes at a cost. I, you, you have to raise a significant amount of capex to do that, right? And when you're sitting at 40 million, market cap, there must have been days where you go, wow, are we, are we doing this the right way? Maybe we need to think about how we come at this, maybe get some cash flow and then get into it. Why, why the confidence that you could become vertically integrated, you would be able to raise the capital? Certainly, you know, if I'm talking to you in 2020, I think, you know, it would have been a difficult conversation, but perhaps less so now. Very much so. Well, it's a key point. And that's, we come back to the conservatism. What drew me to this company is the conservative approach of management. And right from the beginning, have looked at this from a two-phase perspective, where phase one is producing concentrate. Get the mine running, get the concentrator running, and then fund that, uh, use funding from that to get into phase two conversion. That's, I think, you know, one of the struggles that's, that we've seen in Quebec is the rush to production, the rush to going all the way to the end when take the conservative approach and, and sell concentrate first. And we talk about two different kinds of concentrate, technical and chemical, where chemical, the way I try and remember it is chemical concentrate goes through a chemical conversion to carbonate or hydroxide, whereas technical grade concentrate is technically superior. By that, I mean pure. There are very few 
technical grade concentrates out there in the world. Green bushes is the famous one. And that material gets supplied to the glass and ceramics industry. So think of your, your, your tablet screen or your, your smartphone screen, Gorilla Glass. All that is essential in the ceramics and glass industry. And for that, you need the best concentrate. We have that kind of concentrate capacity. And so we have that option for the first couple of years while we're building the conversion plant to sell technical concentrate to the, the glass and, and uh, ceramic industries. So that's roughly one quarter of our production. And we have variability there as well. You have the ability to, uh, to sell different proportions. Then local grade, which also is extremely clean, which gives you a superior concentrate, which then goes to, uh, to the battery manufacturing side. Okay. And when you're get, going after funding, they're looking at you uh, slightly differently. They're, they're kind of re-rating you in a way as a, as a chemical uh, company rather than a mining company at, the, at yes. this point, which is, which is um, great for them because they, they've, they've got a much clearer way of, of valuing you in, in a way that they can sort of almost con control. The market, I don't yet think sees that in you. Certainly, I, well, you tell Correct. me, do you think that this uh, recent spurt, growth spurt of yours has got anything to do with the market viewing you as a chemical business versus a lithium miner? What do you put it down to? That's a very good question. That's a very broad question in the sense that um, if you look at the performance of the lithium companies as a whole, they've outperformed gold, silver, copper. I can't swear to uranium, but I, I think it's up there. We're looking at 10, 11, 12 fold increases on average, um, which obviously is spectacular. And I, I kept on arguing with people that when people see the inflection point in the underlying lithium product pricing, that they're going to move the equities in advance. And sure enough, that's what we saw through last year. The equities have moved in advance of the firming of the, of the underlying uh, products. So that's one thing. Where we're concerned, it's been a quiet story because we've been working steadfastly on the permitting side. We have phase one feasibility out there. So people can easily take that feasibility study and compare that to market cap and say, oh, this is pretty good. What we don't have out there right now is technical studies for phase two. And that's what will come. And that's an incremental opportunity for revaluation that you'll see over the next few months as technical studies are delivered. And if you look at it, Piedmont has done a superb job with their project in bringing out technical studies that demonstrate that value proposition. Okay. Let me talk to you about, um, is it Autotech? Autotech, how do you pronounce it? Autotech. Autotech, okay. I just, I just yeah. need a- It's a, a Finnish company. Autotech, okay, I, that's it. That's all you're getting from me, folks. And it's actually now Metso Autotech because Mezzo of- Metso Autotech, okay, feels good saying it, but uh, you're, you've been looking at it. Um, tell people why you've been looking at it. What, what could it mean for you? Well, they are they are an industry leader in processing when you when you look across the board. And what they did is a number of years ago, they started looking at historical um, processing solutions for lithium. And if you go back into the 1950s, the Quebec area around Beldor is an historical producer of lithium, and that was for the for the uh, the nuclear industry. Um, and they use this this sulfate free process, and you, that might be an echo if you remember from the Tesla days in September when they talked about a, a sulfate free process. 
it's a similar process um, that, that Metso Uditech has been working on, uh, and they have done our piloting work both for carbonate and for hydroxide. So we have a great deal of comfort with, with an industry leader like that. It's a process that is very clean, um, environmentally benign. It's all very important, of course, um, and uh, gives us phenomenal recoveries. Uh, so we're, we consider ourselves industry leaders where that's concerned of what hypothetically is going to be the recovery rate for lithium to first concentrate and then from, lith for, from concentrate to hydroxide. Okay, well, let's let's talk about that side of things because I've heard all sorts of conversations this week already with regards to um, proprietary technology, new technology, and as a ex banker, that always makes me nervous. I want stuff yes. that people have been doing for a long time and they know it works. They've ironed out the kinks. There's going to be no problems down the line as far as my investment is concerned. So, um, auto tech, it, it kind of caught my attention as I was thinking, oh, crikey, are they trying to come up with something new here? What, what are we looking at in terms of your process? Yeah, no, it's, 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 I hate the term off the shelf, but it's been done for decades. Um, putting it together, you're, you've always, obviously got different steps. And has this all been put together into one process from ore to, to hydroxide? Not to my knowledge, but individual components of it have been done and at least on the pilot scale and when we we took out i believe it was 50 tons of, of bulk sample that have been processed through different times and different batches and it appears that that we get we're getting this tremendous uh, recovery rate right okay i'm not going to kind of cover a lot of the ground that you perhaps you will have done with a lot of conversations the generic stuff um that said, I do want to talk about the, the next stage with regards to bringing in a strategic partner because, again, it helps me understand how you're positioning yourself because I've heard the game of people talking about, oh, we'll get some offtakes, we'll get a strategic partner just for the money, or we'll get somebody bringing a skill set, whether it be you know, a gang thing or whatever, yeah, or, or cattle um, into, into the mix. It lends us a degree of comfort. So you're cautious. I get it. You told me. What are, you, what are you looking at? You're having a bunch of conversations. What, what would be your what would your ideal partner look like? I think that's something that's a it's a dynamic situation. As you said, you look at things very differently when you're at a market cap of thirty million dollars versus a market cap of two hundred million dollars or two hundred fifty million dollars, as the case may be. Um, it, the ultimate, and, and I, I know this is a motherhood statement, but for us, the important thing is shareholder value, optimizing shareholder value. And that's a process that's different at 30 million market cap versus a process at 200 million market cap. Where we're at right now is that multiple conversations have been had with different potential strategic partners. And each strategic partner has a different risk profile and a different vision as to what they need. So an OEM, for example, wants to get make sure the product is in the system and getting to their, their, their battery and cathode supplier. If you're looking at a private equity fund, they don't care. They want to make sure that you're capable of producing and they're going to make money on their investment. There are other parties who want to build conversion capacity, whether it's um, in Europe or the Middle East or wherever. They have certain competitive advantages that they want to take advantage of to build conversion capacity. And so all they want is our offtake. Well, you know, politically, that's not ideal, is it? You want to produce, you want to bring maximum value in the province of Quebec. And as long as the province of Quebec is supportive as a host, 
then that's of course something that can be done. So we're excited about what can be done in the province of Quebec to help create a battery hub in that province and take advantage of the competitive advantages there. Power we've discussed, human capital, financial capital, and so on and so forth. But coming back to your question, it's all about shareholder value. So if a strategic investor comes and makes a spectacular opportunity uh, available to us, then we'll take advantage of that opportunity, regardless of where it comes in the system. So I apologize if that's vague, but again, ultimately it's about shareholder value. Not vague per se. I guess you could say you need, you need optionality, you need to be agile in, in your thinking. And quite frankly, let's be honest, it, it, it's, new, it's a new territory right now because you're at a different scale, you're having different types of conversations. Money just got cheaper for you. Um, Very much so. Right. So th- th- these, these, are all, these are all good things. Um, I mean, also, I can't help but look over slightly over the border to some of these automotive manufacturers and the sort of, you know, literally on the border in, in, in the US. Um, are, those, are those types of conversations interesting to you with, directly with automotive manufacturers or would you prefer technical support? Just, I mean, just in preferences. I, I get all the options you've laid out, but. Right yep. now, you've yep. got a certain skill set in-house. You've got a team with an amazing track record of creating shareholder value, but you either build it up yourself or you or you get some technical assistance or you think, well, you know what, I'll get myself an end user and we'll, we'll work it out between now and then. Well, I've, I've sung Stefan Haber's praises earlier on. In Stefan, you have someone who has been there, done that, built the big company. I just feel that he is chomping at the bit to rebuild a large, sustainable, responsible provider of lithium. And with that, having these conversations is, is ultra important at, the, at that end, on the, on, the, on the downstream end. And I think that the OEMs are beginning to realize where their risk lies in not too long ago for them to look at uh, an exploration and development company way too high risk way outside their wheelhouse whereas now they realize that the biggest risk to their great plans of going 100 percent ev and and putting the the uh, internal combustion engine in the dustbin biggest risk is availability of battery materials and although mr friedland might say that there's lithium all over the world there's an abundance of it. There is, but there is not an abundance of economic, clean battery materials available in low-risk jurisdictions. We have a low-risk jurisdiction and we have the ability to produce a clean, high-purity product, which is very appealing to an OEM or a battery manufacturer or a cathode manufacturer. Okay. You talked today about some of your competitive advantages in relation to your peers. And there's, there's, like I said, there's a lot of white noise out there. But the other thing that you're going to have to get right is, is the timing. You're going to have to get this time right. You, you know what you've got to do, what's left to do. But you can't take long. You can't you know, take too long making these decisions about who you partner with, True. when the money comes and et cetera, because you've got to get into... Uh, some kind of commercial production to slot in where you need to slot in because you are, you know, quite far ahead of many 
people here, but you still have that big problem of getting your, your capex uh, raised. So how do you go about that this year? What are you doing to accelerate that process? Or do you feel you don't need to accelerate? Well, I think one has to remain disciplined. Right now, the, the focus is on getting permitted. And that is a process that's crucial. And it's, it's as we talked about, it's a catalyst for many conversations. And so we'll see once that is achieved, which we believe we will do, um, and then that then will lead to the conclusion of several conversations. You, that's, but you're that's talking about the, being production in 2023, so you know, there's not much room yeah. for error there, right? Yeah, the, the feasibility talks about a 15-month construction period. Um, I, I think you have to be very careful with, uh, with timing, a given winter in Quebec. You have to do that properly. Um, so call it two years. Um, so if we make a final investment decision on phase one during 2021, add two years and you'll be ramping up in 2023. I think that's a, that's a fairly safe assumption. And as for a conversion plant, uh, that is also something that, that would take about two years time. Again, technical studies will tell in terms of timing and cost, uh, but that is, that is to be determined later this year. Okay. And do you think that, talk about later this year, do you think you will get that re-rate in the market if you keep, if you keep telling the, the chemical story versus mining story? Are you, is your narrative changing as you've now reached a, a level where perhaps you're going to be noticed a little bit more? Very much so. And, and the conversations have changed coming back to your earlier question. So, and I'm, when I'm speaking with or, or management is speaking with investors in the United States in particular, there are those people who are from technology oriented funds that are having this conversation now. And they've been following the, the breadcrumbs uh, down from Tesla or some of these SPACs. And they're going, where is that going to come from? Where, where is the lithium and the cobalt and the graphite going to come from? And and so they're they're definitely beginning to look, and they they don't care about what your NAV is necessarily. They care about what's your cash flow going to be in 2025, and they apply a multiple to that. That's that's how they're approaching this, which is refreshingly different than uh, than the uh, the traditional resource funds. It, it it's I think it's it should be like that, more like that. It's again, it's like how a real business needs to operate, perhaps. Private companies, I said, private companies do get away well, it's, with it. It's <laughs> like the long. difference between looking at a at a, a gold project with a three year life versus an iron ore project with a fifty year life. You don't do a, a an NAV or an NPV, pardon me, on a on a big iron project necessarily. You look at it from from a cash flow perspective or an EBITDA perspective. It's, it's a, a different proposition, and so should the these lithium projects that have multi decade lives. And that's how they should be valued as well. No, I thoroughly agree. I wonder, I wonder if that's going to be, um, if it's going to be more and more prevalent in terms of the way that people do value companies. Because I think on a fundamentals basis, there's not too many companies out there would, would survive if there were private companies. Um, but look, we should, we should, we should, uh, finish there. So thank you very much, uh, for the run through. Like I say, I've been really keen to hear the story. I'm glad that things have, moved as much as they have in the last three or four months because uh, you've done all the hard work and now starting to get the recognition. So appreciate your time. Do stay in touch and uh, let us know how you get on. Well, thank you very much, Matt. It's been a real pleasure being here. So just, just to summarize, if I may, the five key points. One is that we have one of the highest purity 
lithium projects undeveloped out there right now, sitting within a 700 square kilometer highly prospective land package. Number two is what I would call Advantage Quebec, where you've got low cost, low carbon energy, an extremely supportive government, and a wonderful supportive uh, cooperation with our First Nations groups in the area. Thirdly is a management team that's been there and done that. Uh, they are fully capable of moving this forward entirely. Four is the optionality that we talked about, the ability to go with different strategic partners depending on what is best for shareholder value. And five is finally the valuation re-rating as we achieve certain potential catalysts, things like getting full permitting, putting together strategic partnerships, delivering evaluation on phase two, extremely important getting that out. So I think those are really good reasons that uh, people should be exposed to critical elements lithium at this time. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.